As an entrepreneur, you understand the importance of protecting your business. After all, you've worked so hard to build it. As a proud partner of Startup Canada, TrueShield Insurance understands the startup community's culture and that the insurance needs of every startup are as unique as the brilliant entrepreneurs behind them. Protect your startup with insurance starting from $29 per month. Visit TrueShield.ca today. Underwritten by Northbridge General Insurance Corporation. Welcome to Startup Newsweek, your source for news affecting entrepreneurs in Canada. My name is Catherine Forrest and today is June 28, 2016. In the news this week, multinational companies are feeling the bottom line impact of Britain's exit from the European Union. Commentators argue Brexit will have a minimal impact here in Canada, though experts question the influence it will have on companies through the Canada-European Union trade agreement. Scotiabank has partnered with the online fintech platform called Cabbage. Together, they will provide small business loans of up to $100,000 to entrepreneurs in Canada and Mexico. Partnership will allow borrowers to acquire loans without going to a bank. According to a report released by Dell last week, Toronto is one of the top cities in the world for women entrepreneurs. Dell ranked Toronto 6 out of 25 cities globally for its ability to attract and support women-led companies. There is one week left for women founders to apply for an exclusive opportunity to grow their business in Tel Aviv, Israel this September. Startup Canada invites women entrepreneurs using tech in creative ways to apply for Start Tel Aviv. Start Tel Aviv is an international competition that connects founders from 30 countries to growth opportunities in Israel. The application deadline is July 4th. The Silicon Valley-based Accelerator Founder Institute has added a fourth Canadian chapter and is now accepting applicants for its newly minted Ottawa program. The early application deadline for Ottawa applicants is July 24th. Entrepreneurs, innovators and startup communities are invited to submit nominations for the 2016 Startup Canada Awards. Visit startupaward.ca for categories and to nominate before the July 20th deadline. Startup Newsweek is brought to you by Startup Chats. Join us Wednesdays and Friday at noon Eastern Time to deep dive into topics for founders. Hosted by Slingshot founder Edwin Frondoza with a panel of experts across Canada. Check out startupcan.ca forward slash events to explore our events and register to grow your business. One of the most important parts of naming your new business is finding an available website name that works. Today's episode is brought to you by .ca. Join thousands of Canadian entrepreneurs who have chosen a .ca domain name for their business. Choose your .ca domain name at cira.ca forward slash startup today. A real entrepreneur with a gourmet burger business, serving up real questions with a dash of reality. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. And now broadcasting from Fredericton, New Brunswick, Rivers Corbett. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to season two of the Startup Canada podcast show. I'm your host, Rivers Corbett. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the rallying network uniting Canada's entrepreneurship community. And on this podcast, we connect you, the idea person, the startup founder, the creative thinker with the movers and shakers of 
Canadian entrepreneurship. Here on the show is where we fill you in on trends and opportunities and possibilities for your next step as an entrepreneur and where we have conversations about advancing entrepreneurial growth and success in Canada. Today's episode is brought to you by Intuit QuickBooks, your partner in building a financially fit and fundable business. Get 50% off, that's right, 50% off QuickBooks online today by visiting intuit.quickbooks.ca forward slash start right. To any of our new listeners, remember to subscribe to the Startup Canada podcast in the iTunes store, then visit startupcan.ca to join the network to connect to support, mentors, training, funding, space, and to your local startup community. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I've been looking forward to this conversation uh, ever since I saw that Paul was going to come on the, uh, the the podcast, and then I saw the questions that were sent me. So this is going to be cool. Paul Gaspar, he's the Director of Small Business at UPS, Advisor of the Startup Canada Private Sector Leadership Council, and one of Canada's leading experts in global entrepreneurship. And to build on tw- uh, Paul's 20 years of of uh, experience on today's podcast, we will discuss why now is the time for entrepreneurs to go global, the first steps to take when going global, developing a global growth strategy, and leveraging logistics partnerships to strengthen your supply chains to grow your business. My friend, Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rivers. Thanks for having me. Well, look, uh, you know, uh, you're positioned as a rock star entrepreneur, whether or not you want to be or not, you're the rock star entrepreneur. You're leading entrepreneurs, experts, ecosystem builders, and uh, and of course, entrepreneurs. And uh, we're just thrilled to have you on the show. But can you tell us a bit about your background and how you came to be a leading entrepreneur with, uh, within UPS? And and maybe when you, before you get that to that point of how you became the leading entrepreneur, give our audience uh, your definition of what an entrepreneur is. Oh, sure. Uh, Rockstar. Wow. I've been called many things, but Rockstar, I think this is the first. This is quite the show. This is is quite the show. Yeah, yeah, this is where magic happens. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, as far as my background, uh, one of the things that I'd like to share with the audience that they probably don't recognize uh, with regards to UPS, I mean, we've got a unique culture with a lot of unique attributes to it. Uh, And one of those things is just how we manage our people, both from internal development and, and promotion of our people internally. Uh, and, and yes, I, I might be externally enjoying what a 25-year career at UPS, but to me, it's more like multiple mini careers that have spanned between one to eight years in length. Nice. And, and what I mean by that, Rivers, is that uh, I've had roles within the organization and operations and accounting and business development uh, and marketing. And of course, let's not forget the three years that I worked in our retail arm, the UPS store, which is what sparked my passion for working with entrepreneurs. And, uh, and it's with these many careers, I think, or, or multiple hats that I've worn, uh, which uh, has allowed me to learn and develop different key business disciplines, not very unfam- you know, different than what an entrepreneur goes through wearing right. all those multiple hats, um, which I think is what you know, led me to being you know, an entrepreneur within UPS Canada. Uh, and you asked you know, you know, what my definition of an entrepreneur is. I mean, uh, to me, uh, it's, it's internally 
um, you know, running my own little business. It's, it's really being that person that is uh, maybe putting down barriers, um, introducing something outside of the box, really challenging the large organization that I worked for to think and do something differently on an area that I'm very comfortable in. Uh, and with the career I've had at UPS, something I'm really comfortable in is talking and listening and understanding what entrepreneurs and small businesses are doing. Cool. Very cool. Well, um, now, uh, UPS is a, um, uh, I didn't, I want to going to say the, an old company, but that's not fair. It's <laughs> a company that's, that has been through a long journey as an organization. And, uh, one would naturally think that entrepreneurs would be part of the culture. Is it fair to say that there are other Paul Gaspars in, uh, in, in UPS and that it does embrace an entrepreneurial um, a culture? Absolutely. Cool. Uh, and and I, I can almost tell you that we probably would not be uh, here today uh, if we didn't have uh, thousands of, uh, if not hundreds of entrepreneurs within the organization. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, not to talk too much about UPS, but when we started over 108 years ago, we were a messenger company. Mm. I mean, we were taking telegrams from point A to point B. <laughs> uh, I don't think we'd be in business today, Rivers, if that's what we were still doing. <laughs> right? uh, so yes, things changed. Uh, absolutely. And, and a lot of that was the organization as a structure uh, adapting and changing. But a lot of those changes, a lot of that came from, uh, you know, many entrepreneurs internally, mm. uh, some of that management, some of that from our, you know, our frontline people, our drivers who, you know, show us uh, day in and day out ways to improve what we do or how we need to do things different so that we can stay ahead of the course and, and continue to grow as, as a mature company. Yeah, very cool. Well, I'm uh, I'm firm believer of one that uh, that not everybody can or wants to be an, an entrepreneur, but uh, we can sure encourage entrepreneurial thinking, which is uh, which is I think can be in any any culture. So mm-hmm. uh, that's just that's just awesome stuff. And uh, and of course you can brag about UPS because it's <laughs> a, it's a great story. It really is. Um, you are a leading expert on going global, and uh, you know why do you say now is the time for entrepreneurs to think about going global? Well, look, when I, uh, it's a great question. And you know what? We probably can have this entire podcast <laughs> of me citing you a whole bunch of different reasons. But let, let me focus on three key trends. Okay. First one, technology. A startup business using technology, and of course, what I'm referring to here is, is e-commerce, having you know an online presence. Now they can compete and do business on the other side of the world. I mean, the Internet of Things is helping drive this. Gone are the days where you know a business would require to set up their own infrastructure in each country or region and manage all of the challenges that come with that. Right? Today's technology basically allows Canadian entrepreneurs to to look at the world as their base of potential customers and not just rely within our own borders. Uh, the second trend is the explosive growth of emerging markets. Mm-hmm. Already, 95% of the world's consumers live outside of Canada and the U.S. And by 2050, the planet's population is expected to reach about 9 billion people. And most of the growth is being cited to, to come within what's being called the global south. 
And the global south is basically, you know, defined as Africa, Central and South America, and most of Asia. I mean, Asia alone is expected to have their middle class, which is sitting right now at about 525 million, to increase to 3.2 billion in the next 20 years. Wow. Right? Huge. Uh, and then the third trend is uh, that I sort of want to share with everyone is, is exchange rates. And, and this one could be a little controversial, but I mean, right now and 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 where we sit here in Canada with our you know our dollar, our loonie, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it is a great opportunity because it's now allowing our products and services to be much more attractive around the world. Mm-hmm. Now, there's always a demand for that made in Canada product. I mean, our our goods and services are uh, you know demand attention. But that weaker loony obviously is giving Canadian businesses the, the advantage to to you know to, to dive into those markets. Yeah, love it, love it, love it, love it. I think I think that point about exchange uh, rates is is a very cool one to uh, to to remember in this conversation because we're always connecting, to, of course, to our friends south of the border. Mm-hmm. But uh, my father just recently uh, booked a trip to Saint Martin, and mm-hmm. he was bragging about the fact he says I didn't have to pay the exchange rate in, in American dollars; it was done on the euro, which the rate is better. And oh. it just opened <laughs> up my eyes that, of course, what a great thing to do when going global is you can think in their currency. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I love that point. Love that point that you've reinforced there. So, you know, what are some, uh, you know, you talked about, you know, the, the, some key things about um, uh, about starting and why it's good now. Well, how do you, how do you know if it's right for your business though? Um, you know, cause that's, it's, it's kind of a scary thing to go into, into other parts of the world. So how do you know when you're ready? Uh, that all starts with planning ahead and doing research, right? I mean, that, that's imperative. So, the, I mean, basically the first thing to determine if going global is right for your business is, is whether your product or service has what I call export potential. And what I mean by that is, is there a need or a want for what you have to offer? Uh, and what does the competitive field look like? So in other words, can you create demand for your product uh, in the export world and export market. And understanding that key aspect up front really should be the, the sort of first step of understanding whether or not, whether or not uh, a global expansion is right for your business. Yeah, well, it's a uh, and it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting uh, reference point of understanding if it's right because a lot of companies uh, that I run across they get into this global thinking and they think well it worked here it's naturally going to work somewhere else mm-hmm. and I was talking to the gentleman who uh, runs the International Startup Festival in in uh, Montreal and he's taking his product to I think it was uh, Tel Aviv and he just he said it was such a stupid assumption that I made, it was going to be exactly the same. And uh, and he ended up wasting a lot of time and effort because of that silly assumption. So I yeah. uh, so, love that. That are so true, Rivers. And, and in fact, in a lot of cases, it's the reverse. A lot of cases, we've got you know entrepreneurs and, and startups in our Canadian market uh, that ha- are having some success. But when they go to other markets, th- their success just explodes. Isn't that uh, interesting? Why right? is that? And, uh, um, um, one example uh, that I could cite would be Lush Cosmetics. I mean, uh, uh, you know, most people in the Canadian market would uh, hopefully recognize Lush. They're they're pretty much in every shopping mall from coast to coast. Uh, but their largest 
store and by far one of the largest markets is in Brazil, <laughs> but they're a Canadian business, right? That so uh, that happens in the reverse as well, quite, quite often. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, okay. Well, we talked about doing your research, but uh, there, there's, there's got to be other things that you would recommend your, your next two key criteria in going global. Uh, what are some, some of the, the key, uh, your top two key stretch strategic initiatives that need to be covered off besides obviously doing the research? Oh, um, so, um, look, if you're, if you're looking, if you're looking to, to go global, obviously, and yes, your research is, is where you need to start, but you need to build a global strategic plan. Um, and, and, and there's a lot of components with that. So in building that strategic plan, some of the questions that you need to make sure that you can answer, uh, and we've sort of touched on this already, but what is the export potential of my business? Again, is there a need or a want for it? But what does that competitive landscape look like? Again, we've touched on that as well too, but can my product or service uh, be duplicated abroad, right? I, I need to understand that, right? That's a key paradigm as well too, because that can can influence whether or not that's a right market for me to go to. Uh, what I'm offering, be it a product or service, is it something new? So how attractive is that going to be in that market? And then another aspect, which I think is what you're alluding to with your example before, that again, a lot of people forget is you need to really understand that market you're going to when you're putting together that global strategic plan. And that could be one market, it could be multiple markets. And what I mean by that is, what are your local government regulations? And I'm gonna tell you, they're gonna change drastically from market to market. Mm -hmm. Languages is you know, paramount. Cultures, like we've talked on currencies as well too. I mean, cultures is a key one. Uh, you will have products that are represented in a market with a lot of success. And believe it or not, can be very offensive the way they're either packaged or marketed in another market. Mm-hmm. And not knowing that, not not having that research, but then building that that plan uh, and having all those questions answered could really, really impact you going to that market to a point that, I mean, it could put you out of the market for, for a long period of time, if not forever. Uh, so uh, I, I really only offered one, which is adding that global strategic plan, but there's so many components to that, that you really need to understand. You, you understand and you dissect and you get assistance because if you don't, that's a problem. Now, at the tail end of all of that, Ruse, it's uh, which I think is just as important, not just because I, I live in this world, but but it's what are you shipping and how are you shipping it? Because you need to understand what are all the associated costs and challenges with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that could be huge because you could be in the Canadian market doing really well locally with your product. But then when you start realizing that I'm selling something in a new market, but I'm shipping one of my product each time, and now it's going internationally, and I'm dealing with brokerage and shipping costs, my product is fairly heavy, therefore the costs are quite a bit based on my sale price, all of that impacts you. So you really need to understand when you go to these international markets, how that flow of all your goods go. Because if you don't, again, you you know, you might have all of a sudden an interest, but you're not going to get a return on your product because all of your costs and everything you're outlaying is going to outweigh it. Is that what uh, is is the uh, the the example you just used there? Is that part of an overall supply chain? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, can you explain to folks what a supply chain is? Because I think that's a very important reference point here. 
Perfect. So uh, the way I like to define a supply chain is more of looking at it as a, as a map. And of course, there's supply chain mapping that you can do. Uh, and basically, what it is, it's 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 a map of your business, and it's showing the flow of your you know your raw materials or parts that you that you know you're you're sort of uh, sourcing, uh, all the way to the distribution and the you know the finished product uh, that that you have that you're selling. And then, of course, you can't forget, which a lot of people do, uh, the back end part of it or the reverse logistics which is which is your returns and in, in your post sales service right and and in this map um, as as in most maps um, you, it, it outlays or, or I should say shows uh, the direction and the direction it's shown specifically here is the direction of your business and provides with you basically an overarching view to allow you to see how your business sort of is run and structured uh, and where you can actually look to provide, I guess, some improvements for that as well. Now, I'm not talking about the other key aspect of that, which is the flow of information and funds. So when you're looking at supply chain, you know, I'm talking basically the movement of the goods, but but you need to also make sure you manage the information of that supply chain. And of course, what's paramount for all businesses is, is the movement of the funds because you got suppliers you got to pay for and you got customers and distributors or retailers you need to be receiving money from as well. So all of that needs to be managed. Are you, are you a fan of, I think it's the export development commission or a corporation that uh, ensures a certain amount of, uh, of financial activity that you're doing with overseas customers? I'm a, I'm a complete fan of every entrepreneur looking at evaluating that option. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's, so, it's called, it's called export development commission or corporation. Uh, well, it's EDC. So the yeah. export development, uh, of Canada. I believe. Yeah, okay. Where's the commission? Okay. Yep. Uh, anyway, it's EDC. Yeah, yeah. That's where you can find it. <laughs> it's yeah. EDC. Okay. Cool. EDC. Yeah. So yeah. you're a big fan of that awesome stuff. Yeah, I just I thought it was an interesting point when you talk about. I mean, that's an important part of the supply chain. I have a friend of mine. He uh, he was uh, sunk for a million dollars for some mm-hmm. windows that he sent over to uh, a Middle East organization. So uh, so so I you know I love that uh, understanding that supply chain and making sure that you understand the 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 risk and the opportunities within each one of them. Do you um, in in doing your plan? You talked a lot about uh, about getting assistance um do you recommend uh are you a fan of getting a local rep on the ground being a part of that planning process yes um totally and and edc provides that as well too oh is that right Uh, so so there's a segue where where i know they provide some uh you know uh, on ground um support uh, in different markets, but uh, betrayed commissioners as well, too. Mm. Uh, and, and I've heard um, both sides of the argument as far as the support that they get. My experience with most of the entrepreneurs that I've talked to that have uh, embraced trade commissioners uh, has, has been positive. Uh, and they are in those markets. So again, they understand local cultures and languages and, you know, the nuances of doing business in those economies and those countries. So, so yes, I, I totally believe in doing that. Um, but, but there's others, I mean, there's other ways of leveraging 
partnerships to help you grow and, and to expand better whether or not you're importing and exporting. Uh, another example would be the uh, BDC, the Business Development Bank in Canada. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I mean, they can also help you with exporting financing. So, so they can help you with export financing. EDC can help you in market or also, uh, you know, with insuring goods going overseas. And, and I'll put a plug for UPS. Uh, of course. You know, organizations like us, and it's not just us, but, you know, we're, we're in this business. I mean, we're in mm-hmm. over 220 countries. So we can help you strategize yeah. on how to enter these markets yeah. and to support you in doing that. Right now, well, it's your. I mean, you're, if you don't have a successful customer using your services, then that's no good for repeat customers. Exactly, <laughs> so, exactly. And and those were three examples, rivers that, that I showed. But but I, I think what is more important than you know how to leverage these partnerships and the importance of that, uh, it's why you should. And I can tell you, experts will bring to light things that you, as an entrepreneur didn't think of. And mm-hmm. this could be on how perhaps to promote your product or service, how to have a seamless return. I mean, there's so many different aspects that you do not think of, you do not deal with until it's a problem. And these partners, these people that you can leverage will bring that to the forefront so that you're ahead of it before it becomes a problem for your business. Yeah. Just start talking. I can't tell you how much I've learned on the guests that have been on this podcast, including yourself on, uh, on just basic information. Say, Holy crap, I can use that in my business. Holy geez. I didn't know that. And uh, <laughs> so it's been very, very valuable. Look, um, uh, I, uh, I know Paul that one of the ways in which customers order products internationally now is obviously through websites. So let's, let's put that aside. Is there other ways to that entrepreneurs can make it super easy for customers to order uh, products internationally? You know what? There, there are other ways, but um, you know, my, my personal experience, and again, this goes back to, you know, the, the, the technology and where we are today with internet of things the, the, the e-commerce solution really is the most advantageous for an entrepreneur. Now, yes, an entrepreneur that has a product and is well established or getting well established in our local market, there are ways. I mean, there's there's local distributors that you could partner with, uh, local uh, retailers that you can park, partner with in those markets. Uh, and of course, there's there's the old school way of doing it, which is, you know, your own brick and mortar uh, and distribution in those markets, which again, many still use all of these facets. And as they grow, a lot of them need to get into those different aspects as well, too. But I am still a true believer that when we're talking about an entrepreneur startup where funds and, and managing your funds as you're trying to grow and hopefully seeing a lot of growth that the e-commerce um, and, and having web presence is by far the greatest way. Yeah. Now, Rivers, if I could, what I'd like to explain though is because we did talk about you know e-commerce uh, and, and how important that is, but I'll tell you what I see time and time again is the lack of entrepreneurs addressing the global market with their e-commerce and how that negatively impacts them. Wow. It, And what I mean by this is I tell entrepreneurs all the time, if you're online, which everyone should be, you are global. Uh, And and again, what I mean by that is, you know, if you've got a presence, there's a good chance 
that somebody might come across your website or your product through some Google search and recognize that, hey, wow, this is unique. This is different. This is made in Canada. This is, you know, I like this. I want it. But what I see time and time again is few of our entrepreneurs here in Canada have their website structured in a way to manage that interest that they're getting from these markets or, you know, outside of our Canadian borders. What do you mean by structured? Well, you know, their website doesn't provide a way for someone outside of Canada to communicate to them, to order their product, or even to reach them. Now, you might not be in those markets already, but but think how terrible that first experience of a potential customer and a potential new market for you can be if they can't buy your product or service or make it worse. They simply don't even, you, you, know, you don't even give them the means on how to contact you to say, hey, you know what? Hey, Rivers, love what you're selling. It uh, doesn't look like I can order it, but I'm interested. Is there a way that we can make this work? It's just, right? just a simple contact us button. That is what you're saying. And, and, and then a lot of times that's not that's available for someone outside of Canada to be able to contact them, right? Wow. Maybe it's a number, it's an email, but you yeah. know, you go fill out the e-form and it's only asking for a Canadian address or a yes. like it, it causes that challenge. Now, yeah. now think about it. You have someone in another country who's interested in your product. This could be your next market. There potentially is a demand for it in this market. Now, how often is this golden nugget of information lost just because your website clearly doesn't provide, you know, you know, a way to reach out to you to let you know that that exists? Love it. Love it. So simple, but not so, uh, not so obvious. <laughs> not so practical. Uh, mm, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Well, uh, I think a lot of people are now making a note of this, by the way, that they're going to go make sure that their websites are uh, are uh, a little bit more f- user-friendly for our international audiences. So very, very cool. Um, let's kind of segue now into uh, entrepreneurship and, and leadership, because I do I think it's very fascinating and very necessary to uh, the organizations that want to grow, that they encourage that. And, um, you know, what do you believe are, if, if, if you're starting your, your own company right now, you've, uh, you've graduated from UPS, you're going to start your own company. And what are some of the ways in which you would suggest that your company in, incorporate an entrepreneur type of culture? Well, I mean, one of the things, uh, and I guess I'll, I'll, sh- I'll show my own example as to how I did it at UPS. Uh, and, and then I guess sort of yeah, segue into love how it. you should do it, right? Yep, yep, perfect. So, so I, I think it believes with staying on top of business trends and, and customer needs and habits, because that that will obviously provide a, a need that obviously you can then sort of champion internally, right? And for me personally, uh, growing the UPS small business uh, program here in Canada, it meant that I was, you know, seeking opportunities to sit with other thought leaders and collaborators in this space, right? Being active in the entrepreneur and small business community was, was you know, critical uh, if I was to support that segment. Uh, partnering with associations or other member type, you know, like boards of trades, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, attending small business and entrepreneur events and seminars, um, researching what competitors are doing uh, or not doing. Uh, and then, of course, very critical, soliciting, you know, the customer, in this case, you know, the small business customer, uh, you know, for their feedback or even our, our stakeholders for their feedback. And then at the end of all this, 
uh, which I think is, uh, you know, sort of where it all comes together, is tabling all these learnings and making sure that you put things, you know, action and start actioning them, putting things into place, right? Mm, mm. So, so that's sort of my experience. But, but if I was to, you know, sort of tell someone or, or, or sort of share my thoughts as to how they can champion or do this uh, and sort of build that entrepreneurship uh, culture within uh, their company, you know, find individuals, hopefully with, the, you know, senior within the organization, that have that entrepreneur spirit or experience um, that, you know, can provide you the support that you need or, or at least be that champion for you internally, right? Mm. Uh, how do you and find I had them? that. How do you I, find I think, them? Yes. Uh, you got you got to look for them. I mean, if you yeah, right, you got to open up your eyes first, right? Well, you do, but but I mean, look, if you're passionate about something and, and you sort of want to sort of dive into that and sort of explore that within an organization, you start sharing that, and and you know what, you'll share with eventually with somebody that's going to go, hey, that's interesting. Tell me more about mm. it. And you know what, that's probably the person you sort of need to hook onto mm. and, and sort of explore it a little, a little a little bit more, especially if they're senior up on the chain, because you know they sort of help communicate at different levels for you, right? right um, change it up, you know, think outside the box and, and challenge those around you as well too. So, you know, if I was getting challenges that maybe it's not right, I was sort of challenging them back. Well, I think it is. You tell me why it's not. Uh, and, and you know, and, and if you're challenging them and they can't give you an argument, sort of supporting your cause at the same time. Yes. Um, align with organizations um, that have the same goals, um, um, but, you know, does, you know, do things differently. So, I mean, if you can find another organization uh, that, you know, have your type of goals, but they're doing things differently, doing or, you know, what you're trying to do, then then use that as an internal uh, support mechanism as well, too. Again, another aspect that I did. Um, so I found other organizations that recognize the importance to support small business in Canada. They were becoming champions in that area. And I was able to bring some of those decision makers to meetings internally at UPS so that they can share why they were doing this and what love it meant it. for them. You love it. Uh, and then, you know, uh, it, Entrepreneurs should take the opportunities, I think, to invest, you know, uh, their time in themselves with the entrepreneur community. Because again, you know, entrepreneurs, they bring different perspectives, different innovation and, <laughs> you know, challenges to the table. So, mm -hmm. you know, investing that time with them and understanding that I think sort of helps you be able to position things differently within the organization as you're trying to bring that or change that culture internally. Very cool. I love it. Absolutely love it. My friend, you have uh, you hang out with the folks at Startup Canada, and uh, and uh, this is a Startup Canada podcast, and we like to toot our horn too. Just Liz, uh, I'm glad you talked about UPS because it's uh, it's a great organization, and uh, you've shared some insights as to what's going on inside that I know we'll be able to take to our own organizations, um, but. You know, you've made a decision to to connect and partner up with Startup Canada. Um, what was kind of the thought process be behind ultimately coming up with uh, that decision to, to to hang out with uh, with those guys? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, like the the one thing that that I want to make sure is clear and people understand is that I mean, uh, at UPS we've always helped small businesses. I mean, in fact, most, if not all of our large customers today began as small 
Mm -hmm. uh, at some point, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, uh, Walmart didn't open up all their doors and they were the size that they are. Amazon didn't do that. I mean, everyone started small, right? So, so we've always done that throughout our history. Um, But what we've noticed in the last few years is that it seems that the importance of small business to the, to our economy has, has moved to the forefront. Yes. So, you know, you've got government, you've got large business, and of course, we've got small business ecosystems like Startup Canada that have joined together to, I guess, I guess form a movement. Let's say it that way. Yep. Form a movement to make sure that small businesses, you know, uh, go global and more importantly, are successful and sustainable, right? So, right. you know, UPS, uh, you know, we want to be a partner and a catalyst of, you know, Canadian businesses growth and success. Uh, basically, I guess... I guess be a part of that movement, right? So who better for us to, uh, you know, support and more importantly, learn from, and and I can't stress enough of that, uh, than Startup Canada. I mean, I have seen from the small community events to the conferences to the national events that I've attended for Startup Canada, how uh, they have this well-connected community where actions are, you know, basically derived from, you know, all these constructive conversations. And it only makes sense that, you know, that we align ourselves with an organization that understands the importance of entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. right? So, I look at Startup Canada as being able to, you know, reach entrepreneurs, uh, you know, organizations like UPS and government. And it seems like when they, you know, bring them all together, I, I think it's creating this formula for this positive change. Mm-hmm. So we, we see them as this shining light in this ecosystem. Nice. We've learned so much from them. And we just want to provide all of our expertise to help champion what they're doing because we believe in the same cause. Yeah, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. And there's, you know what I've, uh, I've uh, always admired about Startup Canada amongst many things was also the respect that they give to everybody that they touch and I'm saying respect of not just hey I respect you but it's uh, how can I help you how can I it's it's and it had has gathered people to them in in support of this bigger cause which is the movement I, I use the word movement all the time so when you said it I'm nodding my head up and down I freaking love it man that's awesome good for you it is a movement no doubt about it um the uh, we're kind of heading towards the end of this great conversation, Paul. But I did have a, a question for you specifically related to large companies, and uh, you know, uh, like UPS, they have an important role to play in the in the Canada's entrepreneurship ecosystem. But uh, what role do you think they should play mm. going forward? Mm-hmm. Uh, to uh, and and I'm saying as a group, not as one company. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Um, uh, you know what? I, I like to look at things or do things in three. So let me let me give you three key yeah, points. Right there. on. <laughs> so uh, one uh, thing that I think large organizations need to be doing is have people dedicated to help small business. And I'll give you the UPS example. So we have what we call small business ambassadors, and basically what this team um, that that is part of my group does on a daily basis is call every small business entrepreneur customer who joins our program to help them get started and answer any questions. We're not selling anything. They've signed up for our program. We're there to hold their hands and to support them with everything that we do so that we can make sure that they're doing it right. Right. And I think every business should have an aspect that supports that. The second one is, you know, be the experts at what you do, 
Uh, and, and in doing so, you know, help educate and provide resources that can help entrepreneurs grow and expand. Right. So, again, you know, my my wish or my goal, I should say, uh, would be to educate every Canadian entrepreneur on the importance of a robust supply chain and going global. And if all large businesses looked at what they are expert in in their field and try to do the same thing to support entrepreneurs with what they're experts in. Think of all the support that entrepreneurs would have Mm -hmm. at their fingertips. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, And then at the end, which we're proud that we've done is, is being known as a partner in the Canadians entrepreneur ecosystem. So in other words, support organizations like startup Canada. So stop thinking about it and get doing yeah, I love it, and and you're right. It's a it's it's support in a way that's partnering with them. I hate to do business with suppliers. I want to do business <laughs> with a partner, a yes. strategic partner, yes. and uh, and that's exactly what you're referencing. Well, Paul, this has uh, been just freaking amazing. What a great conversation, and I really do that mean that with that gusto. I've I've learned a lot along here, and uh, certainly appreciate your time. Have you got any last uh, words of wisdom that uh, that you think uh, that we haven't touched on that you'd like to talk about? Words of wisdom. Every time I'm asked that, it sort of scares me. I'm thinking, uh, should I, I got to look up to, uh, to to someone else? But but, I, but 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 I guess you know. Look, start early and create a long term plan and strategy to go global. Uh, I, again, you know, if think about what we said, if you're if you're online, you're you're going to be seen. So, you know, start building that long-term plan and that strategy, right? So, you know, it, it, it takes planning and time to get your business ready for that next step. So, you know, it's important to build a network and to get support from experts in the public as, as well as the private sector. So, you know, start early, create that plan, get the support that you, you need, because remember, you are not alone. I told you at the beginning, folks, it was going to be a good conversation, and it was. This has been Paul Gaspar. He's the director of small business for UPS, amongst many uh, journeys in entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship he had with UPS. We've been talking about strategies and initiatives when going global. Thank you so much for your time, Paul. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly program dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every Canadian. Want access to even more amazing entrepreneur content? Well, then make sure you check out startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like the popular online training events, startup chats, and startup school. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash events for more details. And my name is Rivers Corbett. I'm your host. As always, I invite you to follow me on Twitter at Rivers Corbett. I do the same thing with conveying all kinds of cool ideas and uh, conversations with entrepreneurs around the planet to help you guys have super success. And also, I'm pleased to introduce my newest business venture, Coaching by Rockstars. That's www.coachingbyrockstars.com, where I am building an amazing team of business coaches to help entrepreneurs around the planet. If you've got an interest in that, come and check us out. Until next week, I'm Rivers Corbett, leaving you now with a sneak peek of next week's episode. So there's got to be fun tied in there somehow. The 
there's no there's no fun <laughs> there's no fun <laughs> so you're the Sorry one to disappoint you. you're the one that doesn't have it like, i knew there was one guest on my show somebody said you never want to work for that guy <laughs> he's I'm the guy yeah. he is the mr no fun <laughs> um yeah no we we communicate you know we do communicate on a daily basis um, and, and we do have the odd kind of social outing, although although not terribly much. Our teams are quite remote and we live in different parts of the country, so <laughs> it's a little hard to get <laughs> together for a drink. Um, you know, and I'm not springing for a corporate jet just yet. So. <laughs> right on. <laughs> but you try to incorporate that in your Well, you know, I thought it was interesting you... Um, you talked about the the productivity side. I remember when I was uh, I started my career. I I uh, worked. For, I got a great job at the phone company, and the and the and, it, and I was graduating from university at the end of the week of my first week. And I so I went into work for an hour early every day, and and I went to my boss on the Friday. I was about to leave at noon. I said I worked here for X or worked here an extra hour every day for uh, for four days. So do you mind if I leave it now at one o'clock? instead of five o'clock and he looked at me and he says no you can't leave and i was what and he said rivers he says yes you can leave he said i i hired you to do a job not put in time and <laughs> it stuck with me forever that lesson and you're just reinforcing that message so for people that are hiring people it's not about where are they it's what are they doing that's the key part of it so I and and, it, and it, yeah, and I mean, it, totally agree. And I think if you struggle with that, um, then you really should be taking a look at how and what you're tasking people to right. do, because right. that's probably where the problem is, not that well, you know, can't have them work remote because they'll just surf Facebook all day. Right. Like, well, what stops them from doing that here mm. at the office? You know, <laughs> like, are you giving them enough work? You know, yeah, I, yeah, you know. exactly, exactly. So.